You're listening to For the Love of Dharma. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. I'm a spiritual and integrative life coach who specializes in nervous system regulation, rewiring the subconscious mind, and of course, finding your Dharma. I'm a self-proclaimed personal development junkie who left my 20-year corporate career in 2021 without a plan except to trust my intuition that it was the right time to go. I'm obsessed with helping more people expand their perspectives, step into their truth, and fall madly in love with their lives. You're in the right place if you're ready to uncover your passions, reclaim your radiance, discover your soul's calling, and step into the highest version of yourself while you learn to live life on your terms in a fun and authentic way. Welcome to this magical adventure where we'll ponder life's big questions together. Here we go. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Dharma. We made it to July. (laughs) I don't know about you, but June had a lot of things that I didn't have planned happen and they definitely weren't on my bingo card. I haven't talked about it at all on my podcast, but I've talked about it in a few other places. But in April, My daughter and I had taken our dog out for a walk and we were attacked by another dog that had gotten loose from their yard. And both my dog and myself were bitten. Thankfully, my daughter was not. But it has been a very long process in trying to get the owner of the other dog to pay for the vet bills, which is all I was asking for. I didn't even ask for anything for myself. I really just wanted them to pay for the vet bills that I incurred. Without going into a whole lot of details, it was just a really long process. They were very unwilling to take any responsibility for what had happened. And So I decided to take them to court. This wasn't an easy decision for me. I am someone who very much wants to try to get along and to just make things right without having to go through a court process. It definitely became apparent that that wasn't something that they were willing to do. So I ended up filing a claim in small claims court. And a couple of days before we were supposed to go to court, they came to me and said they wanted to settle out of court and they were going to pay the vet bills and the court fees and everything that I had incurred because of having to file a claim. So we were supposed to go to court on June 22nd and that ended up not happening, which was a good thing. I really didn't want to go for a lot of reasons, but I wanted them to do what was right. So it's good that we didn't have to go, but there was a lot of stress involved in all of that. And it's just not something that I wanted to do. And I'm glad it's over, but it definitely took a toll on me for the few months between the attack and then just constantly trying to get them to do the right thing and then them not doing the right thing and then me taking them to court, but then that didn't happen. So all of that was in June. So I'm glad that's over. And then my dog ended up last week having surgery, which was not at all related to the attack, but it was just another stressor and she's home and she's fine. She has stitches. She'll get those out in another week or so, but just all of that to say, like 
none of that's fun and all of that's stressful. (laughs) And then there was also that I ended up having a lot of pain in my mouth and I kept pushing it off thinking it was going to go away. And of course it did not. And so I went to my dentist and he was like, oh, I think you need a root canal. And so he sent me to a specialist And when I got to the specialist, he said, oh yeah, you need a root canal, but you also need a second root canal. So having never really experienced major mouth pain other than getting my wisdom teeth out a long, long time ago, I really didn't know what I was in for. And so all of this to say, now the root canals have been done and I'm just waiting to get like my permanent fillings and and crowns and it's all going to be fine. But just... June was a heck of a month and my family and I were going to go do a bunch of things because now it's summer vacation and none of those things got done. So we're going to have a very busy July and August, which I'm really looking forward to because it's all good things. So hopefully all of this is behind us. And if you also have experienced a crazy start to summer, I want to give you hope that it doesn't last forever. So I'm hoping we've rounded the corner and that we are on to bigger and better things. June wasn't a complete bust, though. I did have family from Texas come to Wisconsin, and I haven't seen them since before COVID. So that was huge, and it made my heart so happy, and I didn't realize how much I needed to see them until they were here. And this, of course, was in the midst of all of my mouth pain. So that did put a little bit of a damper on it, but I really just tried to make it through. I took a lot of ibuprofen, and just seeing them made me so, so, so happy and really filled my heart so much. And then as the catalyst for this episode, I also got certified as a hypnosis practitioner. And I started to find out that people don't really know too much about hypnosis, which doesn't completely surprise me because to be honest, I didn't either. I was introduced to hypnosis as part of the program that I took in integrative change work earlier this year. Melissa Tears is a world-renowned hypnotist. She's been in this field for a very, very, very long time. And she was one of the teachers for my integrative change work class. And then as part of that, after we graduated and got certified through that program, she offered the graduates the opportunity to work with her in a strictly certified hypnotist capacity. So after we went through her program, we would actually be certified hypnotist versus the other program was a certified change worker or a certified integrative life coach. So just depending on what you want to call yourself, but this was specifically in hypnosis. So that was kind of cool. To be honest, when I first started the integrative change work course, I was not even interested in the hypnosis piece. They had kind of talked about it in that, you know, it was going to be part of what we learned. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But like, I'm not really interested in that. I'm here for everything else. But then like the coolest thing happened and I became enamored with hypnosis and it was my favorite part of the whole course. So when Melissa announced that she was going to be doing this separate certification for those of us that had graduated from this first program, I was like, sign me up. I'm on board. I couldn't wait to get started. But, you know, I got thinking because for me, the only memory I really have of hypnosis is from high school where they had this assembly for the whole school and we all filed into the gym and we're on the floor and up the bleachers and, you know, we took up all the space and they brought in this hypnotist guy. 
And all I really remember is that he did this test. I'll say test in quotes because I don't know what else to call it for like getting your hands stuck together. And I remember I was like way far away from the stage and way up in the bleachers. Like he would have never picked me because just where I was in distance from the stage. But I wanted my hands to be stuck together so badly because I just thought the idea of it sounded so neat. But ultimately, he selected about 10, maybe 15 kids to join him on stage, where he then made them do things that they would probably, I'm guessing, never live down, like at least not for the rest of their high school career, where I just remember they had to like walk like a chicken and cluck around in front of the whole school. So that's really the only memory that I have of hypnosis other than seeing things in the movies or on TV. So now that I've learned everything that I have, I'm kind of thinking back to that. And I'm like, well, was that even hypnosis? And in simple terms, yes, it was. It was just a different kind. So there's actually three kinds of hypnosis that I'm aware of. And I'll say I'm definitely not an expert. I mean, I've been doing this work now for six months, but there are people out there who know much more than I do, though. I have been going down the hypnosis rabbit hole and I I know a lot more than I did six months ago. (laughs) But there's three kinds of hypnosis that I know of. So the first one is called stage hypnosis or street hypnosis. It can be referred either way, depending on who's talking. But this is where you're going to see people performing hypnosis for entertainment, such as like when they were at my school. These are the things where you'll see someone, you know, snap their fingers and say sleep and the person immediately falls asleep. I don't know of any benefit from this kind of hypnosis other than entertainment. The second kind of hypnosis is one that is more prevalent in the therapy world, and this is clinical hypnosis. And this has been used in a professional setting for many decades and is often used for breaking habits like smoking, overeating, biting your nails, phobias, that kind of thing. A lot of good has come from this type of hypnosis, but it's very regimented. And for someone who does not like rules, like I would have a big problem with trying to stick to it. It has very specific scripts that the therapists are supposed to use. So they say all the right words in the right order. So the jury is still out if that actually gives the clients a better chance of success. There has definitely been some success. Otherwise, this wouldn't have been around for as long as it is. But it's just that I personally am not so sure that the clinical version is better than what I learned. So what I do is conversational hypnosis. And this is derived from clinical hypnosis, but it's much more laid back. There's really no rules other than keeping it ethical and remaining in integrity with myself and my business. I like that freedom. I like that permission to play. I find that if I'm trying to stick to a script of where I have to say these certain words in this certain order, it just stresses me out, which doesn't help my client. So what I have found when I tell people that I'm now a certified hypnotist is that 99 times out of 100, They think of the stage or street hypnotist because that's what has been glorified on TV and in the movies. So what is hypnosis? And I think it's probably easier for me to start by telling you what it's not. 
So hypnosis is not mind control. It's not making people do things against their will. It's not where you don't remember anything that happened while you were in trance. And it's not something I would ever bring into a session if someone was against it. Now, if they were against it, we'd have a conversation because I'd want to understand my my guess is that they are probably against it because of that they think it's one of these things like controlling people or making them do things that they don't want to. Okay, so if it's not any of those things, then what is it, right? It's a state of relaxation where you focus on something, which is unlike meditation in many cases, although I'm learning some new kinds of meditation, which are super cool. And they're like directly related to hypnosis. But typical meditation, when you think of it, is like people saying, just sit there and don't think about anything. While hypnosis, you're in a state of relaxation, but you're focusing on something. Hypnosis is a process of giving people control over their own behaviors. There are a lot of things people do that is mindless. So smoking, for instance, is a great example. Biting nails, another thing. People don't even know they're doing it. And hypnosis is a way to bring that into their awareness so that when they are fully conscious, they are able to be like, oh, I'm picking up a cigarette. Do I actually want to do that right now? It's a process of slowing down so that people can hear messages and feedback from their highest selves. Hypnosis is never negative. It is always positive. It is always your highest self coming through to show you and tell you the things that you have been unwilling to hear up until now. Hypnosis is when you are in a heightened state of suggestibility. Because your mind is relaxed, there's less noise happening, so you can actually hear what's coming through. It's about tapping into that 95 to 98% of the mind that's unconscious. We are in trance all the time. If you've ever driven somewhere and wondered how you got there because you don't remember it, that was a form of hypnosis. When we watch movies, you are in a trance because you're breaking through the wall of what is to see the possibilities of what could be. So if you're watching a movie and all you're doing is like, that would never happen. He would never say this. That couldn't be real. All of those things, the movie's not going to be fun to watch. So By allowing that wall between what's real and what isn't kind of fall away, you're able to actually like sit back and enjoy the movie, right? But this is also trance. If you've ever watched something and had a jump scare where you like, you know, jump in your seat, someone jumps out at the around the corner in the movie, that's a form of you being in trance because you're so in it that you're not thinking like what could happen, what's next. I have seen people be in a trance while they're dancing. Like they're just so in their own world and have no idea what's going on around them. They are in a form of hypnosis. Now it's self-induced hypnosis, which we can definitely talk about as well, because that's the same, but different, but it's all trance. 
if you think of, if you've ever been in a creative flow, whether it's at work or in your personal life, and you just like lose track of time, that's hypnosis. Like we are in trance so much of the time, but we don't even realize that that's what it is. There's so many times I've been working on a project or playing with my art supplies or whatever. And all of a sudden it's five hours later and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, and you forget to eat and all of those things. You forget to check your phone. You're in a trance. Really hypnosis is any times of high focus, which sounds the opposite of what you think it is, right? Because when again, from the movies, you think, you know, you're sleeping, quote unquote, but your mind is very receptive to what's going on. Hypnosis is only part of what I do. I typically do it at the end of a session after we've worked through what the client wants to change. And this is a nice way to kind of wrap up the session and really lock in the desired state. I'm not going to get into the steps of how to hypnotize someone, but I can tell you some of what I've learned. So there is a lack of cognitive function when someone is anxious. I've talked about this a little bit before, but when you're anxious, you're stressed, you're in pain, things like that, there is no way that your brain is going to be able to process anything because you're focused on that. So there is some pre-work that I do to knock down these emotional and or physical states. But then when I get to the hypnosis, it gives your brain an opportunity to be less active because it's in a state of deep relaxation. Now you can still hear and you're still aware of what's going on around you, but that no longer becomes the focus. My words, my voice, the rhythm of how I'm talking becomes your focus. So when the brain is less active, this is important because at these lower frequencies is when the brain can receive and store more information because it slows down that brain. Like I said, when you're not worried about everything that's happening around the outside, you can like slow down and actually listen. This is why I really love to do hypnosis at the end of our sessions During my work with clients, I light up neural networks in the brain for the area that the client is wanting to change. But then what happens is that these pathways, these new neural networks that we've created during our session, stay open for about five hours. By me following the work of rewiring the brain with hypnosis, it allows the brain to be more of a sponge for what comes next with what I suggest with the desired state. Again, everyone has free will and they can choose to take the suggestions and run or they can learn the tools and choose to do nothing with them. It's free will and everyone has a choice. So it's not like the things you've seen on TV. People aren't just like, oh, they hear the word purple and they go off dancing in the middle of the street or something like that. That's not how hypnosis actually works. You might be wondering, what are some of the reasons that someone might use hypnosis? So the ones that we were told are the most common are smoking and weight loss. I'm actually kind of trying the weight loss one on myself right now. So stay tuned. (laughs) But... There's also biting nails, but also aside from like those, you know, quote unquote bad habits, there's also things like gaining confidence, feeling a sense of purpose, or even just having a shift in perspective. 
I literally have hundreds of hours of practice with this now and seeing all the different ways in which you can use hypnosis to enhance someone's life is really mind-blowing. If there is something that you want to change, you go through the process of rewiring those pathways in your brain, but then the hypnosis is what makes it stick. It's mystical, it's magical, it's fun. And this work doesn't have to be so serious. And that's part of why I don't love the clinical side of it. And there is definitely a lot of people who have gotten so much benefit from clinical hypnosis or hypnotherapy, things like that. So I'm definitely not knocking it. It's just not something I could personally do for people. I love this conversational hypnosis because it's full of play and curiosity and wonder and just really staying open to the possibilities. When I do hypnosis with my clients, I generally ask them like, hey, is it okay if we play a little bit or can we just see where this goes? Now that people are beginning to know that hypnosis is a part of what I do, it's kind of like the cherry on top of your ice cream sundae. So we go through the work and you're feeling really good. And then I like hit you with some hypnosis at the end. And it just feels so yummy and delicious that you walk out of a session with me or since they're on Zoom, whatever, you walk into the room you're in and you feel amazing. And knowing that you have this power because I teach my clients how to then get this feeling on their own when I'm not on the other side of the screen for them. So there's something called a self-hypnosis template, and I really encourage my clients to use that when they're starting to feel these feelings come up again. Like this isn't a one-time fixes all a lot of times. Sometimes it is, which is amazing, but oftentimes it takes more than once. Again, you have free will, and especially if it's something like biting your nails, which is such an unconscious thing, you really have to bring awareness to it, and then you're making a choice each and every time to not bite your nails. So just because I teach you something doesn't mean that you're never, ever, ever going to do the thing ever again, although it has happened. So I mentioned at the beginning that I've had two root canals in the last couple of weeks and they were within five days of each other. But the first one, I don't even know. I just sort of, I think I was in so much pain that I forgot that I could even do self-hypnosis, but I did it during the second root canal. And let me just tell you, so first of all, it didn't take away all the pain because I mean, I had never had a root canal before these two, but if you've had one, like, you know, they don't feel good. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you like there was no pain because there was, but what I will tell you is that the time flew. I felt like I was in that chair for about three minutes and it really was just about getting myself into a state where I was focusing on something else. And then I was counting myself down into a very deep state of relaxation. And then in my mind, I went to the beach and that's where I was. And every word that was spoken, I heard it all. There was a whole conversation happening in the room. I could hear it, but I wasn't totally there either, which sounds crazy if you've never experienced it especially since I I wasn't on drugs or anything like that. It was just a very cool experience. And when I came out of it, I felt like I had just had a nap, but I was very awake for the whole thing. And I could tell you probably verbatim what was said in the room. 
one of the other things that we learned that I'm still playing with, like I haven't quite figured out if I'm going to use this, but it's just kind of a fun little thing to have in my toolbox, but it's hypnopsychedelic. So essentially it's an altered state while you're under hypnosis without ever having to take drugs. I've heard of some people using this because they get drug tested at work, so they can't actually do drugs, but they like the trip. So again, just something cool we learned. There's just so many possibilities. Again, I don't know that I'll ever actually use it. Maybe, maybe not. I'm just staying open to whatever feels right in any given moment. But the idea that it could be a thing is so cool. I think hypnosis is such an exciting way to look at the mind-body connection because When we're in our heads, like I said before, the conscious mind is running the show, even though there's so much more to our brains than what we know. But when we can push aside that consciousness, even for 10 minutes, I usually only take my clients through hypnosis for about 10 to 12 minutes. I'm not doing these like hour, two hour long things, though people do do that. But it's really powerful what can happen in such a short amount of time when you push that barrier over of what's possible. I've had a few people tell me that they've had bad experiences with hypnosis. And all I can say is that was not a good practitioner. Hypnosis is always positive. It's not going to take you to a negative place. It's going to help you feel better when you walk out of there. So if you had something come up that was anything other than positive for you, first of all, don't go back to them, but also know that that's not true hypnosis. That's not what this is. I can't even do the topic justice, I feel like. And I I think the longer I do this, the more I'll have to say about it. But I hope this answered some of your questions about hypnosis. The mystery only lies really in the deep-rooted beliefs that we have because of one or two experiences that we've had or seen in a movie. Most of us generally haven't researched it much beyond that because it seems so far-fetched and also not useful. So maybe this episode debunked some myths for you and helped make you more open to the idea of hypnosis so that you can really see the benefits of it. Send me an email or a DM on Instagram if you still have questions. I absolutely love educating people and talking about this topic, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some things that I really wanted to say, so I would love to keep having a conversation about it. And if you think a friend would love this episode, please share it with them. That makes my heart so, so happy. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. 